Enrollment is open for Thomas's upcoming six-session live online course, Navigating the Levels of Trauma Healing. Explore how to work with the impacts of collective crises and challenges and learn tools to manage anxiety, overwhelm, and nervous system dysregulation during times of accelerated change and disruption. In this all-new curriculum, Thomas and expert guest speakers will engage in ecosystemic practices to collectively explore our resilience, agency, and capacity to stay present and find deeper meaning. Click the link in our show notes to learn more and enroll. Or go to www.navigatingthelevelsoftrauma.com. Welcome to Point of Relation with Thomas Hubel, a podcast that illuminates the path to collective healing at the intersection of science and mysticism. In his conversations with visionaries, innovators, artists, and healers, Thomas invites guests into a relational experience that allows inspiration and innovation to emerge. This is The Point of Relation. Welcome to the point of relation. My name is Thomas Hugo, and I'm really delighted and very happy to be speaking to you, Ruby, Ruby Gibson, today here on my podcast. So, very warm welcome, Ruby. Thank you, Thomas. I'm very happy to be here with you today. Mm. I remember not so long ago we had a, a very lovely and, for me, very deep conversation about cultural healing, about many aspects of trauma healing, and also the trauma healing in the Native American community. And I would love to deepen our conversation today. I felt a lot of resonance, warmth, and I think we have many things in common that makes it very exciting to have this conversation. So I'm happy we can dive in again. And maybe um, to start with, let's see what's What's the leading edge of your work at the moment? So what's what's the most exciting that, you know, where you feel your own development is flourishing, like of your work, and where are the new things that are arising? And so what, what makes you feel excited about what you do at the moment? Well, it's really um, the work I do is the manifestation of a lifelong dream. You know, I'm just happy. and. Um, and we're growing so quickly every day. Typically, when we have our year-long trainings, um, the Historical Trauma Masterclass, we probably have like 20, 25 people. This year, we have 50 people. And it's um, quite remarkable to do that kind of training to 50 people online. And mm -hmm. so it's, um, it's a challenge. 
and uh, one I look forward to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a strong group of trainers, so I'm training people to do what I do because I want the um, modality and this work to thrive. My days. Yeah, of course, of course. And so, when you say uh, historical trauma masterclass, can you expand a little bit? What what do people learn? What are you What are you deepening in this year long training? The the year long training is sp- spread out probably over six or seven months. It's a two hundred hour program. Um, it's only open to Native Americans. Um, and so we have uh, many intertribal classes and we're pulling from all sorts of different reservations and and communities around uh, both urban and rural uh, Native America and, you know, bringing people together. And they're having, you know, we're... When you become a, like a Johnny Appleseed of sorts, and you know you're planting seeds over and over, we've been planting seeds for seven years now, and I know seven is a really important number for cycles, and so we're revisiting a lot of what we do, and also seeing an exponential growth. Of what we do, it it's um. It's been very powerful, the feedback that our students give, and we're in the middle of lots of evaluation and research of our program to make sure that we're meeting the needs of our community. And uh, yeah, it's just, um, we've been climbing a (laughs) long mountain and Mm. start to get to the top. That's That's what I'm feeling. And, you know, it just it brings tears to my eyes because the road has been so long to get to this place. But um, nonetheless, here we are. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. You said, you said last time, because you said now the road was so long, you said last time that you feel that you came to a point where things opened up. And I think it was also in your conversation with the grandmothers that like something broke through or came through and uh, or opened up more so that it became a flow. Maybe you can you can speak to that quality or that experience that you had and how that felt when, when things opened up because it's kind of interesting for all of us to see how do we mature, mature until certain things flower and uh, their fruits and you're speaking about the long journey so can you speak a little bit to that quality and and how you felt that suddenly it's more open or it's open and flowing you know early on in my career i was a licensed massage therapist it was one of the first ways <laughs> that i could find to you know get my hands on people and uh, um, from from that point that you're speaking about was um it was the beginning of this seven year cycle that we're completing right now, but there was a sense of um 
acceptance of destiny, deep, deep gratitude for being the carrier of this body of work. And uh, I have gone through countless ceremonies in Hawaii, in Colombia, in South America, in Canada, (laughs) you know, uh, Romania, uh, many, many places I've experienced, you know, those cultural ceremonies. And there's some common denominators to those. And so I, I started to look at the work that I was doing in relationship to the collective need, as we've spoken about. Um, but it was, it was like um, the goddesses were gifting me. And it was both a gift and a challenge and to feel if I was up for that challenge. And at that moment, there was nothing in my way. You know, I had done so much healing work on myself with my work, somatic archaeology. And kind of, you know, as we excavate our body, some people will just excavate the surface of their body and, oh, okay, I feel better now. And other people want to leave no stone unturned. I'm one of those people. And so I had thoroughly, thoroughly processed anything that was bothering me. And I was, uh, how old was I at that point? I guess uh, in my late 50s. And, um, you know, there's a funny thing about spirits. They have their own time, their own timeline. And you, you either have to adapt to it or confront that. And, you know, I remember when my children were young and the grandmothers were like, okay, come on, we got to get out there. We got to go talk. We got to write books. With <laughs> and I was like, excuse me, but I'm a mother first. And when my last child graduates from high school, you can have me. And I'm willing to do that work. So I made that agreement with them. And on the year my son graduated, my book was published. So it, they timed everything. And it's been since that moment that it's just been a nonstop blessing of experience and people and money and resources. Um, and I, and then I have to figure out how to manifest those and put them into action. Unfortunately, we have a good team and people who are really dedicated. So, you know, we're able to run this program, this um, seven years, and we're starting our next cycle. So, I mean, I, I have no doubt because there are so many people within our community who have studied with me, who are committed to that as a path of their recovery. And, you know, it's, it's a lot because there's a lot of problems, but, you know, it's just one person soul at a time and and helping people get well and someone else sees them get well and then they their family starts getting well 
you know, it's just um, like a flower that's blooming. And, uh, and I get to watch and I get to kind of direct it, but I feel like I'm just part of the mix, you know? Mm. <laughs> it's very beautiful to listen to you as a, to your guidance and how, how life unfolds through you. And how you, as you said, you're part of the mix, you're part of a stream or a river. That's beautiful to feel when you when you're speaking. And so, as then, you said it there. There are a lot of issues to be taken care of. I would love to get your take on. I mean, first of all, I think the Native American community in has has suffered severe trauma but it's not that it suffered it's suffer it's suffering and like it's it's an ongoing traumatization and in certain circumstances are still in place and i'm i would love to hear you speak a little bit to how you deal with the fact and also in your recovery or trauma recovery process um when there is historic trauma and there is also ongoing traumatization. There's ongoing discrimination. There's ongoing uh, violence. There's ongoing life circumstances that are difficult and systemically not changed. So by the entire state, I mean, so how, how can we, or how do you experience the healing process within that kind of circumstance? And um, does it make any difference? Is how do you deal with the ongoing circumstances? This is a good question, Thomas. I, you know, we have many um, cultural protocols in our communities, and some of them are very different than other ones. But, um, and this was part of what I really wanted to talk about is that every, what native peoples or indigenous peoples have in common is they view life as a circle. And so um, let's say the Olala Sioux, the Lakota tribe that I'm part of and where our main offices are located next to Pine Ridge Reservation. And you have to be able to hold your own first of all. And if you don't follow the spiritual protocols that have been passed forward, no one will pay any attention to you. Because, you know, there's already things in set. So, you know, you have to take the protocols of the people and find a way to weave the work in there. So one, one of the protocols is, um, is the wheel of life. So everything is viewed as what we call which means everything is related. And so on this wheel, it encompasses uh, the nation and how the Lakota cope with um, stress, trauma, war, is um, is the same as the buffalo. So because the buffalo was with their best friends, allies, you know, 
they were dependent upon each other. And when the buffalo are endangered, they'll take all the children and they'll put them in the center of the wheel. And then all the elders will get around those children. And then around that is all the cows, the, the mothers. And then on the outside of that ring are the bulls or the tatankas, you know, the strong. And that's the way the buffalo protect themselves. And consequently, that's how the people protect themselves. They follow those same kinds of principles. And every culture, depending, you know, whether they, the food source was sheep or, you know, buffalo or, you know, fish, whatever their primary food source, we begin to live in relationship with that, right? And so we have, like, the wheel of life is not only a compass, but it is also um, a representation of um, of the whole, right? And so when you do ceremony, you're acknowledging all of that, everything that's below, everything that's above, everything within, everything without. And it becomes um, the way that people unconsciously communicate. And, you know, the problem is, though, is that when war happened and the men got shut down, you know, they they were killed in mass quantities and the, the women, um, you know, could not really hold their own. They became the warriors of the tribes, you know, but they also were the mothers. But a lot of the grandmothers, grandfathers, take care of the children because the women are out doing the men's job. So the cultural basis and foundation is just all, it, it messed up, you know, got all messed up. So when we talk about the circle of life, we talk about everything because it all exists. We're the human world, the plant world, the mineral world, the, the animal world. It's all one world and it's represented in there. So we can't take human out of that wheel without looking at the relationship between the whole. And so when we try to just heal on our own from our human experience and our brain, it it's kind of um short uh shortcuts to you, but you miss there's so much that is missed. Now I'm not sure if I'm explaining that well because you know I I don't have this conversation very much anymore. So um but if you understand the culture, and fortunately for for me, my teacher was Grandpa Frank Fullscrow, who was the chief spiritual leader of the Ogallala Sioux, and he um, lived to be 
I don't know, close to 100. And in his later years, I was a foster parent for his great-grandchildren. We spent a lot of time in ceremony together. He was an amazing, magical human being. And he became my inspiration and my guide and um, the person who helped me to understand all of this at a deeper level because um, my father was adopted. So I wasn't raised on the res. And so, it, you know, there's, there's a lot. Um, when, when you look at, you know, some people are only comfortable with all tribal people, but we're such a mixed race now. You know, it's some of those protocols and those standards have had to change. So there's a sense of, of growth and, and power for our communities. And there's also a lot of drug and alcohol use and gangs and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's um, and suicide. It's um, very uh, intense and emotionally explosive kind of field. And so, you know, we, we're just resourcing, 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 and kind of reminding people of these primary cultural ideas, standards, because a lot of the students, the children got cut off from that knowledge base because they were put in boarding schools or they were had it Christianized out of them. And so you know, it's it's not only helping to rebuild a person, but looking at it through a nation. You know, we this work can do it in that. I, I've seen it change people and I've seen it change communities. The goal is, you know, is for all. You know that that there is wellness, and that we can procure that wellness, and we don't have to go broke getting that wellness. It's it's so available, and you know sometimes I wonder why Creator gave me this this gift, and I I I have a loyalty inside of me to it and to people in general. So it's it's just been an evolution of me, an evolution of our community, and kind of trying to blaze a path where no path has been. Mm-hmm. But I have all the faith that that will, you know, it will happen. Yeah, there are some some powerful things that I at least that I hear when I listen to you. One of it is to create a path where no path has been before. So like you you need to create something out of nothing because it's and it's coming through you and through others maybe that you build it together with. So that's very powerful, this like how can we walk a path and create it as we walk it? So that's uh, that's in, very interesting. And another principle that I heard is that we can't, and think that's very much somehow often how 
in the West. By modern thinking, we think individuals as kind of separate entities within the ecosystem. And but what I heard you say is that we can think an individual only within its ecosystem and not as a separate particle within it, some as interdependent or interconnected. And that's, I think, a very powerful, a powerful invitation to rethink health. Because if we think health in a separate way, or if we think health as a as an ecosystemic aspect, and and also the the trauma healing as an ecosystemic aspect, and I would I would love you to talk a little bit more about that ecosystemic aspect and how that shows up in your in your also in the trauma healing that you do and the healing work that you do, like how. How does this, for example, relate to groups and how we heal in groups together? And you said you have your training program. And what's the difference between healing one-on-one -on -one and healing one in many, uh, like as a group? How we, And what's your different experience when you look back at your healing work that you're doing? That's a good question. <laughs> um, I uh, I feel like working on people one at a time is in the ice ages for me. <laughs> it it doesn't exist in my consciousness because every time you touch someone, they touch someone else. Mm -hmm. So never ever are we just working on one individual. Mm -hmm. When I recognized that kind of ripple effect, especially if we're looking at seven generations behind us and seven generations ahead of us, we're standing at the, you know, the peak of 14 generations. How do we want to behave? What legacy do we want to leave? Can we do that all by ourselves? Or is that a bigger job, you know, because we belong. And that's one of the most important things. And one of the things that gets struggled with a lot in our community is, who do I belong to? Because we got mixed bloods, we got full bloods, we have, um, you know, a, a, you know, people who work professionally, people who work ceremonially, there's there's all sorts of different dynamics and people and the way they operate and their own sense of, of judgment around it. So, you know, like in any birth, you simply sit and wait because you know that it eventually is going to move through this person, if you're in that general energetic field of people, it's going to influence you. And so we work a lot just with youth, you know, in that case. But um, I work one-on-one -on -one with my trainees and my trainers because they're at kind of these exponential growth <laughs> processes and they need to be functional and really understand the work and what triggers them so that they can be a good trainer. So um, 
to that, but you know, with like I, I never used to do presentations online, but since 2020, and we've been, you know, zoomed out here, and I never thought I could sit in front of 200 people, not be able to see any of them, but yet just begin to resonate with this group and and try to feel into what they need, where the energy is going, what, you know, how am I communicating? It's, it's um, awkward in, in many ways. And, you know, it's not natural, but we've had to na- normalize those kinds of processes. So it really takes us out of kind of one-on-one, you know, that's my issue, that's your issue. It's not, it's our issue. And, you know, the more people that take responsibility for that and themselves, the community will change. But it it goes at a snail's pace. And um, it's, uh, I mean, we have 500 tribes, you know, but, and there's, you know, there's a good amount of Native people still living uh, on reservations, and which is really where you see uh, the suffering most strongly. But it's a, it's a hard thing to get away from genocide. It's, a, it's hard to feel like you belong when you're so broken. So we always start there. Like we belong with each other. We belong to each other. And that means we have responsibility for each other. And that's really the message that I'm, I'm trying to get to help people see so that they can be uh, proactive in this process of recovery. You know, everybody has a lot of judgment because nobody trusts anybody, you know, especially something that's new. So if you make it as culturally competent and in alignment with the values of that community, then you, you know, that's half the struggle. And then the rest is... It's just witnessing it from from maybe a higher viewpoint, you know. It's like we can soar over all those lives we've touched and and feel it, you know. Mm. And and you know the Lakota are very well known for their humor, so. <laughs> That's how we can get by, and uh, mm-hmm. so you know, there's there's beauty in it, there's grief in it. One of the things that that we have a big issue with is shame. I mean, they've been shamed, shamed, shamed in so many different ways, and you know, 
they say, people ask me, well, what do I do with all this shame? I said, give it back. Shame is somebody else's guilt in your body. You just give it back to the perpetrator or wherever that came from. You're just carrying it for them so they don't have to. Are you willing to sit like that your entire life? Or do you want to give it back? I want to give it back. Okay. And then we go into that process. And it usually resolves in one, one session. You know, it's, I mean, we've been able to shortcut and make trauma healing very simple. Mm. I give everybody a choice. You can either meet this as a warrior, as a magician, or as a lover. We can meet them in all those ways. I said, I used to be a warrior. I said, I'm just a magician now. Yeah. Mm. And so then we have that conversation about what, where we've been and how we've been meeting the challenges in our life. And it's, there, it's so multi-leveled. Um, you have to, for me, I have to just be in love with life it, and not see this as an overwhelming issue that we can't do anything about. I'm really just about cure. And um, no, no matter where I go, what community, uh, African-American communities or Romanian communities, you know, everybody's really looking for the same thing because there's been loss through colonization in so many places, right? And I love, I want to say something that you said um, before that I really like is, I mean, you said many things I really like, but the one that I want to highlight, if once we see the necessity and everybody in, or many people in the community start to do their own inner work, the community starts to heal. I think that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful way of viewing oneself as a part of a of a more collective healing process but that we have to play an individual tune within an orchestra of healing and i think that's a very powerful way also to feel one's own uh you know responsibility and participation as a citizen or a part of a group or as, as a as a human being how we do not only heal ourselves but we always have an impact on the ecosystem that we are part of, or the community we are part of. It was a powerful uh, thing you said. Yes, but the ecosystem also has a powerful effect on us. So, you know, so when when we have a circle of life, and this is how the somatic archaeology is built, in the center is the first step. There's like five steps. I notice, I sense, I feel, I interpret, I reconcile. That's all it is. So we go to the center of our body or to the center of the wheel, and we notice what's going on inside me, around me, what's happening. What are my dreams like? What's my weight? You know, just all of it. Where do I struggle? Where do I feel like I'm holding pain? You know, just do a, a check-in. 
And then we go to sense. So if there's one area that in particular has been causing problems or feels out of balance, then we bring that person's attention there. And that's to the West. And the West is the mineral world. So it's the the solid, you know, it's the the body, the the mineral world holds us, holds our homes, holds our earth, it's it holds us. And we view the crystals of Mother Earth as her brains. We're, we're also walking in kind of having that crystalline energy wake you up. And, and, and it's, it's not something that I made up. This is like age, age old tradition. I just found a way to put my model into it. Okay, so we go and notice and we go to the West, I sense, and we just feel what's happening in my body. You know, is it strong? Is it weak? Is it move? Is it stuck? You know, we really examine sensation. And then we move from the West to the South, which is the place of the plant world, water. And what are we... Um, Processing, like what's those emotions that are moving? And typically, someone will, once they connect with sensation, they'll have this physical uh, or this emotional response to it. And then you go straight up the wheel to the north. And the north is the place of the animal world, our mascots, our, you know representation of the wildness inside of us. So we go to the north and and we interpret what it is that we just experienced. We don't stop there. We go to the right of the wheel, which is the place of the human. And it's also the east, which is the place of spirit. And so that's where we reconcile. What's changed? What's the same? What do you notice? What is your truth now? And my favorite question, what would you do if you were free? And and that's one session. No, then you come back to the center. Close up the session. In order to be that person who guides someone around the wheel is a traditional knowledge known as the zero chief. The zero chief is just the one who sits in the center of the wheel and doesn't need to go anywhere because they're intact. And so the more you do the work with someone else, you become your own zero chief. It's it's just been remarkable. That's something that is out of context in any uh, tradition I know, uh, unless there's sacred traditions, which there are many. But that idea of the zero chief means that that we embrace all of this and I'm just 
one little part of all of that. So I can't just isolate myself and say, what are all my issues? Because we're not looking at the big picture of of that or the history of that. And when we are able to do that, then we can stand at the top of those two seven generations before and after and be the agent of change behind us and ahead. I don't know, that might have been a little unusual, but that's... No, that's just beautiful. It's beautiful. I love him. Also, the zero chief, like how what's the maturity also to hold the space and to sit as the space. I think that's a very powerful metaphor. Like metaphor, it's a very powerful framing of the quality of facilitation. Right, being empty and full at the same time. Exactly, yeah, exactly. It's beautiful, it's lovely. And then, um, so there are many things that like that I deeply resonate with. This seems so... Um, Close and uh, very resonant. Where, like, also in, when I see my experience of running groups or sitting with with people, and um, and I remember last time you told me that that you are kind of building or creating like a place or a center. Uh, can you can you speak a little bit to that and how it progresses and what is what are your what's your vision for this place? Um, the vision for this place is to is to create the first of many historical trauma recovery centers in the U.S. near tribal nations like maybe Albuquerque and you know up in, in the plains, you know, on the coasts, so that people have access; they don't have to go that far. Um, and we, at this point, provide all of our services to tribal members for free. We use all of our funding to, to work with people who don't have the resources. And we've been blessed um, for the past seven years to not want for anything. And so... I guess where where we're at now is is that I need to hire someone to help me with this project <laughs> <laughs> uh, because you know I'm a I'm a healer and I'm a writer but I'm not a builder I, you know so so it's like trying to um, access the funding someone sees it as valuable. And then within that system, we we will do billing so that the therapist can actually get paid and the client can receive a free session. So it's kind of a, you know, there's a commitment to it all in there. Um, and, you know, we have to just do one at a time. and kind of wait for the demand, you know, uh, reach out to our communities, like what's important to them? Is that something they would accept in their community? 
you know, you have to have allies in any place. So, um, we're we're kind of in the thick of it. We've we've been at a couple of um, events, funding events that are are reaching out to to help support this. So I I feel like we have some support, and I'm I'm publishing some professional papers and things just to get get more awareness of what we're doing and uh, you know all that groundwork and budgets and design you know it's it's a it's a big project it's beyond my scope i need to hire someone to to do it but that that's where i've gotten to um it's raising the funds to pay someone else mm-hmm. to help navigate it because i i can't do any more than i'm already doing mm-hmm. Anyway, I think it's the the next seven year phase. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you see this the next cycle of the work that's building on top of the former one that you will establish the centers and and I think it's also important what you said, you need somebody that works alongside with you on that. It's not something you can do. I think that's also an important phase, how we open the circle that other people step in. It's an exciting part of the journey. Yeah. It is, and it's so needed. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm 65. In seven years, I'll be 72. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm kind of assuming after that, I'm passing the torch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's hard to not stay young forever and keep rolling with it. It's interesting. So we have seven years to do some some more work together. I would really love that, as we already said once. I think we should really follow up on that and see, because I think there are many things that you speak about that I deeply resonate with. Also, the deep groundedness and in, in interconnectedness of life, uh, which I think is such an important aspect of health and well-being and communal well-being. So that seems very resonant for me. And I would love to see, maybe before we finish our conversation today, is there is there anything you would love to share that we didn't touch on, but you think is important to for everybody who's listening right now to, to I don't know, get deeper into your world or um, be more connected to what you do? You know, there's a lot on YouTube that people, YouTube uh, Freedom Watch, uh, there's a lot of information there if you wanted to just kind of revisit some some of our history. It seems like there's a fragility about life these days. and. I think I feel it because we're careless, Mother Earth. I don't know where this came from, but it it came from the grandmas, I guess. It's this thing called, I I call global warming woman. And she's like an archetype for transforming fire, power, 
you know, energy and um, anger. It, and what it does is it, it's um, a way to go um, be in relationship with the earth and act on behalf of the earth. And I, I have these visions of going to like, where there's burial sites or where there's been battlegrounds or like wounded knee, you know, where there's a lot of pain and go and pray at those places. And almost like we would do a somatic archaeology session on our body. We would be doing a somatic archaeology session on Mother Earth because I think she's burdened with so much history and war, bombing and attack and toxicity that, um, you know, that, that she needs help. And, you know, the, like for me, that's the ultimate in collective healing is to be able to sit with Mother Earth and listen to her and and provide whatever energy, love, you know, witness and and do that. And we have so many places that we can go as kind of a repair repairing of um Places that have been mined, drilled, you know, just all the scars to be able to witness all those scars, to honor those scars. Mother Earth has a mother too. She is a mother, just grandmother. There's a lineage to everything. And I think right now, Mother Earth's mother and grandmothers this thing there. You know, like, look what we've given you, paradise and youth. Yeah. Dad all over it. So I don't, like, that's what calls me from the deepest sense of myself is is walking a road that's that's much more integrative than what has happened and, and how do we restore those places and make them sacred again. I've befriended a lot of rocks. Stone. You know, plants. The animals that guide me, you know, it's it, they're all speaking to me about that because it's about their home as well. So that's my like spiritual dream. As the others, like a business dream. Mm-hmm. For me, it's all the same dream. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say, I was gonna say this. These are uh, all interconnected dreams, and 
And it feels lovely that your prayer is also like a collective prayer, like that holds the planet in awareness and it's in the scars and wounds. And I think that's a very healthy, you're speaking something very healthy when we have a very human and centric uh, worldview of them. And I think this helps us to open our worldview to that we are part of like a bigger system and not dominating that system. Even and we can don't. impact that system. That's right. In a positive way. That's right. Beautiful. Right. So, Ruby, I think, first of all, I thank you for your time. And I still would love to, I mean, we're doing it right now again, but I would love to see if there are kind of projects we can collaborate on. I think it's, it's very resonant for me, and this is always a joy and a pleasure to listen to you. And uh, I'm happy that you joined the podcast here, and I hope that many people will listen to this and, and be inspired by your wisdom and uh, hopefully also find you and uh, your work. So yeah. thank you very much. Thank you for... Um with this conversation, it, you know, it's sometimes uh, another person will stir things out of you that you didn't even really know were there. <laughs> you have a, a good capacity to um, bring things up to the surface and, and acknowledge, you know, um, you're very perceptive. And thank you, Thomas, for honoring me today. And um, it's, a, it's a good day to go celebrate Mother Earth. <laughs> That's beautiful. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Point of Relation with Thomas Hoover. Stay connected by visiting our website, pointofrelationpodcast.com, and by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a positive rating and review and share about us with your community on social media. Thank you. We appreciate your support.